Hello and welcome to another episode of Skin Like a Rhino, the podcast by Elvie, in which I, Tanya Bola, interview some awesome women who've been breaking old taboos and new ground. In today's episode, I'm absolutely delighted to be here in New York with Cindy Gallup, the founder and CEO of Make Love Not Porn. Uh, Cindy is single-handedly spearheaded a social sexual revolution. Welcome, Cindy. Great to see you again. Thank you, Tanya. Lovely to see you and delighted to be here. And uh, yeah, I'm delighted too, especially talking about, well, today we'll be talking a lot about uh, sex and sexuality and specifically gender issues, which is something which is so close to my heart because before LV, I was I used to work in, in sexual reproductive health. Uh, and you and I having met a few times, I think, mm. has always been a fun conversation. But uh, maybe just for the, for the audience who are not familiar with Make Love Not Porn, I'd love to just rewind the clock a little bit and hear... You know, how did you end up in this space? Sure. So um, basically, Tanya, I have a business that is a complete and total accident because I never consciously intentionally set out to do anything I very bizarrely find myself doing now. So um, Make Love Not Porn came about because I date younger men. And about, gosh, 16, 17 years ago, um, I began realizing through dating younger men that I was encountering what happens when two things converge. And I stress the dual convergence because most people think it's only one thing. Mm. I realized that I was experiencing what happens when today's total freedom of access to hardcore porn online meets our society's equally total reluctance to talk openly and honestly about sex. When those two factors converge, porn becomes sex education by default in not a good way. Nearly 15 years ago now, I put up on No Money a tiny clunky website at makelovenotporn.com that in its original iteration was just words. The construct was porn world versus real world. Here's what happens in the porn world. Here's what really happens in the real world. I launched at TED in 2009. I became the only TED speaker to say the words, come on my face on the TED stage, <laughs> six times a succession. The talk went viral as a result. And it drove this extraordinary global response to my tiny website that I had never anticipated. Thousands of people wrote to me from all around the world, young and old, male and female, straight and gay, pouring their hearts out, telling me things about their sex lives and their porn watching habits they'd never told anyone before. And I realized I'd uncovered a huge global social issue. And so that was the point at which I went, oh, my God, I now have a personal responsibility. I have to take Make Love Not Porn forwards in a way that will make it much more far-reaching, helpful, and effective. And so I turned into a business designed to do good and make money simultaneously, which is, by the way, what I believe all business should be. And so today, Make Love Not Porn is the world's first and only user-generated 100% human curated social sex video sharing platform. So we're kind of what Facebook would be if it allowed you to socially, sexually self-express, which it clearly doesn't. The way to think about us is, if porn is the Hollywood blockbuster movie, Make Love Not Porn is the badly needed documentary. We are a unique window onto the funny, messy, loving, wonderful sex we all have in the real world. And what we're doing is we are socializing, normalizing, and destigmatizing sex, bringing it out of the shadows into the sunlight to promote consent, communication, 
good sexual values and good sexual behavior. We are literally sex education through real world demonstration. Now, I love, I love what you're doing. It's actually 15 years ago when you came up with the idea for Make Love Not Porn, I was working in formal sex education in the United Nations trying to get teachers to talk better to teenagers about sex and sexuality and actually banging my head against the wall. Because I think to your point, which is what you recognize and embrace, young people are not learning really at school. And that was why I, you know, conceived Make Love Not Porn as a video sharing platform, mm -hmm. because that is the only way to counter um, the impact of porn. And it's why I use the movie versus documentary analogy. Because people like watching movies, people like watching yeah. documentaries. And people have so, analogies. <laughs> yes, and, yeah, and sometimes you're in the mood for a movie, sometimes in the mood for a documentary. Yeah. You can absolutely embrace both. But just taking a step back, like, and the why, like, why is there such a gap between medias, whether it's porn or whatever it is, social media or papers or TV? Why is there such a gap between media portrayal of sex and sexuality and the gender dimensions within that? And then what happens in, in people's privacy of their own home? Um, I'm constantly asked the same question, which is, mm -hmm. Cindy, why are we all so repressed about sex? <laughs> Three reasons. Reason number one. So reason number one is centuries of repression, mm. religion, sociocultural dynamics in every single country in the world. Everything we're talking about today is a global issue. Reason number two, the patriarchy. Because historically, every single institution, including government and religion, has been male-dominated. We as women have never been allowed to bring our lens to bear on human sexuality, and the world is a poorer place for it. And reason number three, very straightforwardly, is that there are not enough people like me. And what I mean by mm. that is the world makes it bloody difficult to innovate and disrupt social narratives around sex. Many people have tried and given up. And I don't blame them because my life is shitty on a daily basis because of what I do. But we need many more people like me who will not give up no matter what. The single thing that most motivates me is a dynamic that I characterize as, I'm going to fucking well show you. You tell me it can't be done, I'm going to fucking well show you. You put an obstacle path, I'm going to fucking well show you. I take all of that daily demoralization demotivation, depression, and I challenge into motivation, inspiration, because I have to. When you say you have to, you make it sound as if there's no choice, but I think 99.9% .9 of people wouldn't do that. They would let that get them down. I mean, where does that, that sort of fuck you attitude come mm. from? Um, do you know, if I thought that I was being delusional, I would walk away from Make Love Not Porn. If I thought I'd come up with a business yeah. that had no product market fit, I, I'm sitting on a billion-dollar unicorn when I find the investors and the funding that we deserve. As I said, I've seen every day for 11 years how we are changing the world through sex. And in that context, um, Tanya, our mission at Make Love Not Porn ultimately is to help end rape culture globally. We help end rape culture by doing something incredibly simple that nevertheless nobody else anywhere in the world, anywhere on the internet is doing. We end rape culture by showing you how wonderful, great mm. consensual communicative sex is in the real world. Our social sex videos role model good sexual values and good sexual behavior. And here's the important part. We make all of that aspirational versus what you see in porn and popular culture. And just as, as proof of concept, um, I designed Make Love Not Porn to be fully diverse and inclusive, and we are. 
Our members are Make Love Not Porn stars range in age from 18 to 80, you know, male, female, trans, non-binary, straight, LGBTQ, all races, ethnicities. But in the 11 years that we've been going, we've observed that Make Love Not Porn is especially a revelation to men. More men send mm. us grateful emails and leave appreciative comments than anybody else. And by the way, everyone else loves us too. But yeah. uh, because we are something unique that men will find nowhere else on the internet, which is a safe space where men can be and watch other men being open, emotional, and vulnerable around sex. I wish society understood the opposite of what it thinks is true. Women enjoy sex just as much as men, and men are just as romantic as women. Mm. Yet neither gender is allowed to openly celebrate either fact. We'd all be a lot better off if they were. So th there are many things that are transformative. But as you can imagine, all of those dynamics contribute to making men look at how they interact with and relate with their partners, whether, by the way, that be women or other men or trans or yeah. whatever, in a completely different way. And as you said, part of what you need to do is break the patriarchy. But mm. as a feminist, we need to work with men on, on these issues too. Mm. And, and, and it sounds like it's very transformative for them as well. Um, and one of the things that I know you talk a lot about is female pleasure, right? So I think if you look at the statistics in general, women orgasm less than men. It's sort mm. of, I think, mm. two-thirds of women mm. orgasm in a heterosexual mm. relationship and 95% of men. What is happening there? Why, why is this gender pleasure gap? Sure. So, so I mean, there have been a ton of studies about this. And uh, basically, there are um, a couple of things at play, which, I mean, I obviously read all the studies, but also I have 14 years worth of conversations. And, you know, yeah. I mean, I have my own perspective on this as well. So, um, first of all, um, and, 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 you know, in many ways, Tanya, I am my own research lab. I see for myself exactly how everything we're talking about plays mm. out in the real world. So um, I'm extremely selective about the younger men I date. No matter how casual they are, I have one fundamental criteria. They have to be a very nice person. I have amazing radar for very nice people. And even so, I see them in bed with me, modeling the body language that says my dick is the center of the universe. And that's because they've grown up with porn. They've grown up with male-centric, male-lens porn, where, you know, what you are unconsciously absorbing is the fact that it's all about you. And as I say, even lovely younger men have internalized this. So that's reason number one, why women are not mm -hmm. orgasming at the same rate as yeah. men are, okay? Um, reason number two is in um, casual sexual encounters, because they are casual, Men don't think they need to bother to make the woman orgasm. We're obviously talking heteronormatively um, now in a straight context. Mm -hmm. And women don't think that they deserve to ask for it when it's a casual encounter. And then the third dynamic is, um, ironically, it's especially when you're in a relationship that you feel you cannot rock the boat in that relationship by bringing up any issues you have with sex. But I have to tell you that I have found 100% of all the times I've had to do this, um, that they are grateful. They want that conversation, okay? Um, especially because it's an education for them. You know, I always say that the single biggest turn-on in the entire world is to be in bed with somebody and know they're having a bloody amazing time because of you. And there are an awful lot of people who have never had that experience, for real. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and so, you know, first of all, I say absolutely start talking, you know, um, because they'll welcome the conversation. Gen Z is also driving more openness and more desire to talk about this and to be educated and to get help. 
but but at the same time, Tanya, um, that that natural shift within people is absolutely being um, blocked by the fact that social platforms and the internet at large are going backwards because we are seeing more and more censorship. You know, we are seeing more and more block algorithmic mm-hmm. blocking of everything, um, including anything that is educational, open, healthy, um, in a way that um, has very worrying um, consequences yeah. um, for the future. But I suppose just looking at the counter-argument on that, I think social media has also helped uh, spread a lot of very negative imagery, right, mm. around mm. Uh, and, and also sexual abuse. So mm. is this not a natural sort of swing, pendulum swing, where it needs to find its way? And, or are you yeah. saying specifically because the founders and CEOs of these companies are men, it won't get done properly, even um, yeah, if they're yeah. well-intentioned. Um, yeah, but that is exactly what I'm saying, and they're not well-intentioned. And so the solution to all of this um, is basically when we get funded. I want to build ad tech that serves ads that people actively want to watch. We as women are the primary purchasers of everything and influencer purchase, yeah. but we are constantly targeted and sold to through the white male lens. I'm going to open up this ad tech to everybody like us who is currently banned from advertising, which, as you know, is a very broad swathe of mm. any female lens, sexual health and wellness venture, menstruation, menopause, fertility, etc. And it's not just the smaller businesses. My friends at Procter & Gamble, Unilever, Essity, Reckitt, they can't advertise Sanpro, condoms leave the way they want to either. So the first reason people will want to watch these ads is because these are ads for products designed to help us all in these most intimate areas of lives we're desperate for help with, but they can't see them anywhere else because they're banned. So at a baseline informational level, they want to see them. But the second reason they want to watch them is because on my ad tech, you can advertise any bloody way you like. No censorship, no holds barred. And I use the term bloody advisedly because Sanpro ads, forget the blue ink on the pad, bring on the blood, have fun with it. The ads are amazing. People love them. They're going viral at the rate of knots and we're making a shit ton of money. That's when I can not only turn here for the ads into an ad exchange that plugs in everywhere else. I help break down the barriers for advertising for all of us across the internet as a whole. Cindy, you're incredible. I just which industry you're not disrupting. Um, and I think something you touched upon there, which was around the, con- the user-generated content. I mean, you were so ahead of the curve on that, right? Mm, I know. And, and now with the ad tech, and, and, and you are right, there are so many problems with the way that those, those issues are currently being dealt with. And I think for me at LV, we're thinking about things always incrementally working within the system. I think I once heard you say, though, change, you've sort of given up on change within the system. Has it got to be outside? What did you mean by that? You cannot change anything from within the system. You have to change things from outside the system to get into the system. And I'll give you the perfect example of that, um, which is the other thing I'm raising funding for, um, which is um, what parents and teachers have asked me for since day one of Make Love Not Porn, the zero to 18 and beyond version so I want to build makelovenotporn.academy, user-generated, crowdsourced, curated revenue share. Because I'm not about reinventing the wheel. This is an aggregation play. I want to build the go-to global hub for the best of the world's sex education content. So the way it works is we'll build a platform for the academy yep. and then invite sex educators all around the world to share with us their own content. Coursework materials, books, videos, comic strips. And I use educators in the broadest possible sense. Sexual health and wellness experts, therapists, anybody educating and forming in this entire area. 
Um, we will curate, you know, again, at the heart of everything yeah. we do. Um, Human Eyes will vet every piece of content. So we've endorsed it. It's safe, et cetera. And we will then publish all of this content segmented by age appropriateness. Mm-hmm. So if you're a parent freaking out going, oh, my God, my six-year-old just asked this. What do I say? Yeah, yeah. You know, here's where you will find the best, you know, age-appropriate tools and content to be able to have that conversation. So I see you, it all coming together. You're basically using the same engine, which yeah, is, yeah, yeah, is yeah, a democratization yeah. of education. Yeah, right? but, uh, yeah, User-generated but, uh, specialists. Mm, and you, it sounds yeah. like you could actually use this for anything. In uh, no, no, it doesn't uh, no. even have to be sex education. Um, no, um, no, um, no, exactly. But, 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 but there is nothing like this for sex education. Yeah. Um, so, so, you know, if you're a teacher of a class of 14-year-olds, here are your age-appropriate teaching materials. If you're an adult, access all areas. Yeah. But the important thing, Tanya, is that the academy will be where children and young people can access sex ed without parental teacher gatekeeping. And here's why that's important. I have a friend who's a mother, and as you have to these days, she monitors her kid's browsing history. So this happened a few years ago. Her son was eight years old, and she saw, to her horror, that on the family computer, he had Googled sex for children. So she freaked out, but did the right Uh, thing, stayed calm, sat him down, went, darling, you know, I see you look for this. Talk me through what. This anecdote is adorable and horrifying in equal measure because her son wanted about sex. He was a child. He knew he was a child. He wanted to learn about sex in a child-appropriate way. He sweetly, innocently Googled sex for children. You can imagine what came back, utterly traumatized. And so the academy will be where an eight-year-old boy can enter his age, will only serve him um, Mm age-appropriate sex ed. Um, Some of this will be free to access because, as you will know, right now, no one goes into sex education to make money. I have friends all around the world who are brilliant sex educators they face all the same problems I do. Their content gets blocked on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. They're banned from advertising. You know, um, their accounts get deleted. They can't even make a living doing this. I want to change that because this is enormously valuable work. So, so uh, I have three further agenda items for the Academy. Yeah. The first is when I build an educational product expansion, I reframe Make Love Not Porn and give it social legitimacy. You know, so, mm-hmm. so you know, that yeah. will make people look at this differently. Secondly, um, because we're banned for advertising, I designed the academy to be a very effective growth engine for the core business. Because when you're 18 and over, you graduate to sex education for real world demonstration. And then the third agenda item is precisely what you asked about, which is, you know, people have said to me for years, Sydney, you should go to schools. You know, make love upon should be on the curriculum. And I've always said, no, I shouldn't. Because anyone trying to bring sex ed into schools comes against parent-teacher association, moral panic, you know. Um, but again, the people keeping sex ed out of schools don't know what we like if they allowed it in. They just think we're really bad. You know, um, there is so much to do in the whole world of sex, obviously, you know. But, but if you ask me where else I would really disrupt things, um, that would absolutely be um, in the era of age. And, you know, I say that mm. because um, we live in an extraordinary ageist society. Mm. You know, all businesses are ageist. So um, I'm 63. You know, I tell people how old I'm as often as possible. I shout my age from the rooftops. And, and in fact, I encourage everyone to do that because I have the opposite of, of, of the philosophy people usually use to count ageism, which is age is just a number. And I go, no, 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 no. Your age is a very special number because your age is the sum total of you. Your age is the sum total of all of your life to date, all of your experience, your expertise, your age is what makes you uniquely valuable. And so I coined the hashtag, say your age. I encourage everyone to do that. So um, last year, I took all my clothes off on video, right down to my underwear. 
And I did that for this wonderful series called Style Like You, which is run by a mother-daughter duo, Elisa and Lily. And um, the, the, the concept um, behind this interview series is it's called What's Underneath? And they interview an interview subject who sits in front of the camera. They ask questions from behind the camera. And as you answer each question, you remove an item of clothing. The idea being that you metaphorically, as well as literally, strip down to what's underneath. You know. And they have different um, uh, segments for this interview series. So I you know, took all my clothes off, um, talking about how I live my life, talking about my philosophies. And I was blown away by the response to that interview. Um, because in the comments on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, the, the universal theme was, especially from younger women, also from young men, by the way, um, oh my God, I've been looking for an older female role model like this all my life. And in fact, there was an especially moving um, comment when the video was posted on Instagram. A woman said, imagine if we'd all grown up seeing and hearing women live and talk like this, imagine how very different our lives will be now. I want to reinvent aspirational culture around age. And by the way, I do a lot of consulting, speaking, you know, mm -hmm. I exhort my own industry, advertise yeah. and do this. But if I were to disrupt, you know, another huge inequality, it would absolutely be ageism. That's, yeah, that's so inspiring to hear because you're right. And ageism, it's I don't know what's happened in our cultures, how we've got to the situation. Um, do, uh, and particularly there's a gender mm. element too. Oh, right? oh like, no, 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 yeah. absolutely. Uh, we're in the situation we're in, um, Tanya, because of the patriarchy. Mm -hmm. Because every area of popular culture is male-dominated and male-led. And everything is um, processed and presented through the male lens. Uh, and one, one especially ludicrous example of this is, so I have an annual ritual, which I began doing a number of years ago, and it's become very popular. So every year, I live tweet my reading of the Vogue magazine September issue. Okay. So I began doing this a few years ago. I happened to be reading, you know, that, that, the September issue is a gigantic doorstopper. Yeah, that, you know, that's with, the September with the issue. Ads. The yeah, issue. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, and I, I was so disgusted by the ads, and, you know, I began tweeting my commentary and my followers really loved it. And so it's become a thing. So every year I announce, like, on this day, I will be live tweeting. And people go, oh, my God, my favorite time of the year. And so I comment on every ad, every fashion spread, every piece of editorial content. And, um, and, and, and I mean, the same themes every year because mm. the fashion industry is so behind the times and appalling. But one of the things I comment on is um, we are so used to seeing things presented through the male lens that we don't even notice ourselves. And so I call out the fact that in Vogue, you know, like, the, um, you know, I, I did this um, last, just this past September. So, you know, um, to sell handbags and purses to women, okay, as a straight woman, um, the way to sell those to me is not to have a naked woman, you know, presenting like a handbag between her, her, her open legs. Okay. I mean, uh, literally, um, the men don't see it and we don't see it. That's how ludicrous it is that through the male lens, we are being sold handbags, purses, everything with, but seductive women naked come hither looks because that's what the men want. Yeah. And, uh, and it's become the fashion norm. It's utterly ridiculous. I'm trying to get people to see this and because I want to see change. It's not just me. Yeah. Everybody can help change all of this. You're, you know, you're right. There is a sea change, but I think it is due. I mean, I think you are out there saying the things that other people don't want to say, and yet when they hear, they know that there's so much truth in what what you're saying. So thank you so much, and 
Um, I'm just excited to see what happens next, especially with the the sex education side for, for young people, which is such a, you know, it's, it's an issue which I've been nodding my head to because I have I am that person you described who was trying mm. to, to educate young people in schools and saw those limitations. And I just think your unique way of looking at everything is 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 actually what's needed, right? So, And you've proved that out. So thank you so much for joining us today and thank you for sharing what you're up to. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you don't already, don't forget to follow us on socials. Just search for Elvie and away you go.